Well, it's very nearly Easter time, and for the next couple of weeks, so as I said at the beginning, we're going to be thinking about the cross together and the meaning of the cross of Jesus. Um, and if you spend time, of course, around churches, you know, the symbol of the cross is something that you'll see a lot. It's inescapable. You can see a few if you look straight uh, behind me onto the left of me. Um, it's kind of the universal marker. It's our symbol of Christianity as a religion. Uh, there was a lot of talk a number of years ago about, there was a claim that the golden arches of McDonald's as a symbol were actually more recognisable around the world or by more people around the world than the cross of Jesus. Uh, have you heard this uh, idea? Yeah. So they did some research to find out what people could recognise. Um, and that may be true, you know, because the McDonald's Corporation has a very large uh, marketing budget. Um, and there's, you know, but I think even... Though McDonald's is getting better and better, there's lots of new gourmet choices available uh, these days when you go. Um, I still think perhaps, even though it may be a better known symbol, there is a deeper meaning known in the cross uh, than, than the golden arches. Because the cross is something that has persisted for several thousand years and hopefully will for many more when McDonald's is uh, gone and forgotten. Uh, but the cross is an important symbol for Christians and we've got to ask why. Why is the cross such a central and important symbol for Christian people? So throughout this year at St Mark's, we're going to try and give some depth to that question and the answers to it. Particularly, we're going to look at the cross as a topic now and later on in the year specifically. But also, as we go through the year looking at different parts of the Bible, we want to relate what we read in the Bible to the meaning that we see in the cross and what it teaches us about our experience of God. Uh, so as I start this series and for the next couple of weeks, it'd be worth asking yourself, um, what does the cross of Jesus mean to you? What is the meaning of the cross in your mind, if it has any? What is the significance of this symbol? Because the cross is also obviously as a symbol for an event that happened, the death of Jesus and how he died. But what does it mean? Many Christians uh, will carry the symbol of a cross on a chain around their neck. Does anyone here do that? Yeah, there's a few people. So ask, well, why, why do we do that? Why do we think it's important enough to carry it around with us every day? So I think if we look at this question, if I, if I were to ask you and talk to the people here, what is the meaning of the cross for you? There are probably a few main answers I would expect to hear. So firstly, most Christians would have something like a kind of shorthand version of how they would describe what Jesus was doing when he was on the cross. So you might say something like, well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. It's part of our story of faith, the forgiveness we've had from God. You know, the death of Jesus has allowed my sins and failures to be paid for so that I can enter into a new relationship with God. I would wager, if I asked you, that's probably the main meaning of the cross that I'd hear from people, the members of this church, uh, if we were asked. And that's something, of course, that's very true and very worth knowing. Another side that we might hear about if we ask what's the meaning of the cross is more of an emotional meaning that it might have for people here. Um, the way we reflect on the pain or the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross and what, how that makes us feel and that demonstration of love or the sacrifice as an indicator of God's love for us. You know, this is what it means to me. God loves me so much. He was willing to suffer for me. And you can see this kind of feeling about the cross is very popular. You know, for instance, there was the phenomenal success of the movie The Passion of the Christ a number of years ago where it was the suffering of Jesus that people really identified with as he went to the cross. And so both of those ways I've just said, they're very important ways of understanding the meaning of the cross and a big part of it. But the fact is that over the years and beginning even in the earliest times we can read about in the New Testament, Christians have discovered and reflected on many, many more ways that we can understand the meaning of the cross of Jesus, what this symbol is about. 
And that goes back, as we'll see, even to Jesus himself and how he talked about it. Um, In the New Testament, as you read it, you find that the crucifixion of Jesus, his cross, everything that went along with it, the disciples of Jesus related this event and this symbol to almost everything that they read about in the Old Testament. All the symbols and the stories and the images from the Old Testament uh, that came before Jesus. Um, And the cross of Jesus actually is kind of like a, a gate through which Old Testament themes and stories and ideas about God's people throughout the years kind of pass through into the New Testament and the life of the church. And they used it as a way of understanding that. And in the process of doing that, a lot of the older ideas that we find in the older parts of the Bible were kind of transformed or given a new meaning. So things like the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the laws of Moses, the stories of the kings and the words of the prophets. And all of them have been given some connection over the years to how Christians think about the cross of Jesus. And so I think what we'll see this year is that the cross of Jesus has a lot of different facets of meaning to it. And it's very deep. There's many things we can get out of this as we go and learn about him. So, for instance, of course, many of us would see the cross has a spiritual dimension, which we can get into very deeply. It talks about our relationship with God, the kind of relationship we have before him as people who need grace and people who need something that we can't earn, something that Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, The cross also has an emotional dimension and meaning for us. It shows us as Christians how we can interpret and understand some of our experiences in life, particularly our suffering, in the way, in the light of what Jesus did. Uh, The cross is is something that has meaning and significance for personal relationships and the way we treat other people. Uh, Because on the cross we have an example of Jesus and the way that he did, what he did, the way he loved the people that were in his care. And the cross also finally has social and political dimensions that we can learn about because on the cross Jesus exposes a lot of the injustice and the evil that's going on in the world and the powers that are against him and the depths of the need we have for a new way of living on earth. So you can see that the cross of Jesus has a lot of dimensions and a lot of significance for our lives today and the life of our world today. So it's worth unpacking that and learning more about that as we get to know Jesus. And because all of this meaning, of course, is just packed into what was, if you look about it historically, it was just the execution of a Jewish religious leader one day on a hill outside of Jerusalem. But there's so much inside that. And the cross is a symbol of all of that. So I'd invite you kind of to enter into a journey. We're getting towards Easter. This is the time of the cross. Um, To think about more of the meaning of the cross in your own life and what it means for you and for us here as a church. So that's what we'd like to do in the next few weeks. And we're starting today with some of the early teaching of Jesus himself about the meaning of the cross. And he introduces this idea to his disciples that he is going to die in this way and what that will mean for them. And this is happening uh, quite a while before he was arrested, before it was on the minds of his disciples that this was how things were going to turn out for him. But Jesus wanted them to know that this is the path that he was going to be on as their master. And so he lays out today in Mark 8 and 9 what we might call the way of the cross. So in this chapter, in this, I think the point of Jesus' teaching in this particular reading is that Jesus' way, and you can hear way with a capital W, it's the way, it, a way that he's offering his disciples of living, it involves the cross as an integral and intentional part of that. Um, we're not perhaps as familiar as people were in Jesus' t- time with the idea that spiritual masters like Jesus would usually have something you might call a way or a way of living, a way of thinking and feeling and living in the world that they would teach to people who would follow them and come to them. So a disciple we talk about is someone who would come to a teacher or a master like Jesus 
They would live with them. They would learn from them a way of understanding the world, a way of living, and a way that would hopefully transform their life and change them. And so this idea of there's a way of Jesus, this is how Christianity was thought of very strongly in the early years of the church, that there was a way that Jesus had taught people and they were following it together after him. For instance, in the book of Acts in the New Testament, which tells the story of the very first Christian communities, their faith is regularly described as the way. They were people who were followers of the way. This is before the term Christians really got applied to, to followers of Jesus. And so we might not understand that because our own experience of the church more in an institutional, religious way is a bit different perhaps to how the first Christians thought of themselves. Um, but Jesus, we read in the Gospels, was very intentionally teaching his disciples a way of life that he claimed would lead to their own salvation, their own transformation, connection with God, and an ongoing transformation of the world around them. It was a way of living. And this way of Jesus is largely, I think, the same thing as what we might call the way of the cross. And this is what Jesus is talking about here in our reading. So the way of the cross is a vision that Jesus gave them of human life, uh, a vision of the life in the world, of the world in which we live. And it's an alternative vision, an alternative way to the normal way of life that we might grow up with or learn, or the normal way of life in the world around his disciples. And it's the way of the cross, he, he would say, is actually in, op- in, in opposition to the way of the world and the way that we're taught to live. So Jesus is inviting people to take up a path to this way and follow him with it and to take up the cross as, he, as they go to. And that's part of it. As he says, Jesus says in chapter 8, verse 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, this was quite a surprise to his disciples when he first started saying this. Um, we can see specifically in the passage here that it was, because when Jesus takes, Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him for saying that he's going to be killed. And Jesus says wonderfully, get behind me, Satan, which is a wonderful thing to have up your sleeve to say to people when they suggest that you do bad things. You know, Andrew, would you just have one more, like have just one more piece of cake? Get behind me, Satan. Um, So I encourage you to use it in that way. Um, Now, the reason that the idea of the cross was so surprising to Jesus' disciples was that they were operating to a different script altogether um, that said that Jesus was going to be a particular kind of leader, the Messiah, this kind of king. And this meant meant to them that they thought Jesus is going to be revealed at some point as a victorious and triumphant king over all the Jews. He's going to bring their nation to victory over the Roman Empire. He's going to establish a nation that's going to be God's kingdom on earth. It might not be clear to us as we read Mark that's what's going on here, but we can get a hint from the fact that Jesus talks about himself, as we heard in this chapter, as the Son of Man. He says it's the Son of Man who's going to be rejected, killed, and then rise again. Now, the Son of Man to us, it sounds just like a poetic way of talking. It's the kind of thing you get in the Bible, but... The label of the Son of Man actually has a very specific meaning in the light of the history of the Jewish people. So if you go back a couple of hundred years before Jesus, you can read about this in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Now you may know Daniel, he's the guy who was thrown into a lion's den and into a fiery furnace and survived them both. Um, And he was a leader in the Jewish community in a time when they were in exile in Babylon. 
Uh, and apart from those stories that we often hear about the lions, um, the book of Daniel is also full of visions that Daniel had about the future of the nation of Israel and their relationships to the nations around them and about what God was going to be doing in the world. And so he had a lot of visions about the nations and a lot of them are visions of these kind of fierce wild animals fighting each other, you know, and coming and doing terrible things. But right in the middle of these visions he had of these wild beast nations rampaging around, Daniel had this dream. It says, In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom that is one that will never be destroyed. So you can see here that Daniel mentions the Son of Man. And so in the vision of Daniel, the Son of Man is this idea that this king is a leader who's actually going to lead the nations of the world in the way that they should live. So he's going to lead them. There's this kingdom of God coming that's never going to end, and the Son of Man will be part of that. And the reason that he's a Son of Man in this picture is that, unlike the other nations and their leaders, which are pictures like these violent, wild animals that are out of control, this leader is going to be truly human, like a Son of Man, like a human being, the kind of human that humans are supposed to be. So... This idea, the Son of Man, came to, be one, came to be one of the labels that was used for, by the Jews for the king that they were expecting to come from God. And, of course, the Messiah is another one that we know. So back to our reading from Mark, Jesus is saying, well, I am this guy. I am this Son of Man. And now that I'm come, I'm, I'm going to set up this kingdom, but the way I'm going to do it is through a path of death or the way of the cross. This is the way that the Son of Man is going to set up this kingdom, says Jesus. And we can understand why this was strange to his disciples. If we read what Daniel says, it doesn't sound like what the Son of Man is going to achieve. It says he's going to have this glory and dominion and power and he's going to be over everyone else. And that seems very different from Jesus saying, well, he's going to be, the Son of Man's going to be killed and rejected. But what Jesus is saying is that this vision of Daniel is going to be fulfilled in a surprising way. The Son of Man, you know, who's this true human, universal king for all time, is going to be the one, he says, who lives a way that involves the cross, going to the cross to die. And he says also that anyone who's going to be part of this kingdom, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the Son of Man, is going to have to follow that way as well. And so that's the surprising message of Jesus to his disciples, that God's going to do what he's going to do, but it's going to be through the cross, not through the way they expected. So that's the, that's the context here. This is why it was so surprising for them. So, you know, we've talked about the way of the cross and said this is Jesus' way, this is the way he's inviting his disciples to live. But what does it actually mean to say, I'm going to follow the way of the cross? What does the way of the cross look like? And what is Jesus actually inviting his disciples to do when he says to them, take up your cross and follow me? Hopefully that's something that will become more clear over Easter as we think about this more deeply. But in this passage, um, Jesus seems to say that the way of the cross actually involves a fundamental change to the, in the attitude that we have to our life. And this change that Jesus says is, involves accepting the possibility and indeed the inevitability of death that will come. Taking up the cross, he says, involves giving up the aspirations that we might have that involve an easy, pain-free life and it involves giving up the delusion that we're living forever and accepting that this will come. So when you take up your cross and follow Jesus, it says, you know, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm taking a path that's leading me towards death. And what does that mean? 
So taking up the cross, he says, it's an attitude for his disciples. It says, well, you do this. You realize that death is coming, and I'm going to disengage as a follower of Jesus from the desires, the expectations, and the patterns of living that characterize the current world order in which we live. Because the human world as it is, as we see around us, is based on the desire that we have as humans to hold on to the life that we have and the things that make our lives comfortable, prosperous, successful and powerful. This is our natural desire of us as a human organism. This is what we want. But the problem that we find is that the way of life that's based on that desire is exactly the way of life that produces these wild animal-like nations that Daniel saw you know, oppressive, unjust, spiritually debased. These visions of cultures who are out of control because they desire the things of the world so much. And so Jesus says, I'm calling my disciples to a different way that leaves that behind and puts it aside. Jesus says, in order to save your life, you don't hold on to it and try to build it up. You actually need to lose it and let it go. The more we have of these things of the world, he says, and the more we rely on them, the more likely we are to lose our soul or to lose the life from God, the spiritual life that makes us human and that makes us what God made us to be. And so to keep our soul, we must go after, he says, the thing that the soul needs, which is what God offers, God's truth, God's power, God's presence. Those things are more important than the things like wealth, fame, comfort, desire, that we desire naturally as human beings. Because those things are the basis of the kingdoms of the world. You can see that. Kingdoms grow because we have a desire for power, for money, for the things that they bring. That's the history of the world. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is not about that at all. The kingdom of God is about the opposite. The kingdom of God is about love. It's about peace. It's about service. It's about experiencing God's joy. Not based on what we have, but based on having him. And he says, all those things the king that God offers are on the other side of a decision to give up the way of the natural world and put it to death in your life. Not because it's, our life in this world is bad and not because we're just saying, you've just got to wait to heaven, to go to heaven when we die. Because the way of the cross is not about denying that life is good now and being obsessed, obsessed with what happens after death. Jesus is very clear. He says, it's possible and indeed desirable to experience the kingdom of God in this life now. As our final verse says, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. So Jesus in this uh, passage is inviting and calling us to experience a new way of life, a new way of living right now. The way of the cross, which is a change of our mind and a change of our heart so that we learn to value the concerns of God rather than, the, rather than our human concerns, as he says to Peter in verse uh, 33 of chapter 8. You know, and of course, all this talk about death and the cross and giving things up, it can sound a bit morbid, but you know, in practice, Jesus is saying that this path of giving up, of letting things go, of following him is actually the path that leads to the experiencing the blessings of a life with God. Because, for instance, following the way of the cross would mean that instead of being concerned with our own reputation, for instance, our own image, anxiously wondering, am I measuring up to others around me? Am I being good enough? No. Take up your cross. Let that concern go. Instead, brace humility, concern for others in the life of service to them. It's a different way of living. It's giving up our own, our own concerns. And he said, we'd say, instead of worrying about being rich and all the things that that entails, the way of the cross says, well, I know those things don't last. 
Just having what I need for today is enough. My reward is not found in those things. It's found on the other side in God's kingdom. So I have a different set of priorities. So I could go on, but I hope this is starting to become clear. Uh, For Jesus, the cross is something that divides the world into two parts. So it divides us between those things that come from God and those things that don't. And it divides the kingdoms of the world or human beings, the kingdoms that we set up, from the kingdom of God. And so to take up the cross and to follow Jesus on the way to the cross is to choose to trust in the kingdom of God. I believe in that. I'm going to leave behind my other aspirations and follow Jesus where he's going. So it's the way of the cross is a rejection of things that aren't going to last beyond our death and things that are not what God is concerned about. And that's why Jesus, he says, as the Son of Man is going to go to the cross because he's going to open up a path for people to follow him into the kingdom of God, this kingdom that's not going to end on the other side of the cross, a kingdom that will be different. It's going to be filled with people who are humble, peaceful, communities of love, And a kingdom where justice is done because people don't want anything else apart from what God wants. And so that kingdom was certainly a different vision than what Jesus' disciples expected it to be. And they couldn't understand it when they first heard him talk about it because they had another kingdom in mind. Uh, But it was what they had to hear to understand what God was really going to do. And I think it's what we need to as we think about what the cross means for us. So I just want to finish just to ask the question again, what does the cross mean to you? For Jesus and his disciples, it meant that we are being called to give our whole lives to following Jesus and embracing a new way of living on the basis of that. So the cross might be for us a focus, well, how do I feel perhaps when I'm just actually sick of the way of the world and all the things that it's offered which seem to promise to give me satisfaction but actually don't? There is another way, Jesus is saying. There are things that are strangling my soul that make God seem far away. Well, Jesus says there is another way of letting those things go and following him. And so the way of the cross means giving up those things and seeking God instead, even to the point of death, if that's what it takes. Because it's not worth gaining the whole world, he says, and losing your soul and losing your life with God. And so the way of the cross is a challenge, isn't it, then, for all of us about what we value and what does... And because Jesus is placing this decision before us right now, he says, it's not about what's going to happen to you after you die. He says, this is the question you need to answer right now about where the way you're going to live. The kingdom of God is all around us, he said. It's, we're, it's waiting. But to enter into it and to experience it, we have to take up the cross and follow Jesus into it. So as we start this series and we proceed towards Easter, let's remember that the cross is not just a symbol of a particular event that happened 2,000 years ago. Um, and it's not just a sign, out like a McDonald's sign outside our church building identifying us as Christians. It's not just a logo. The cross is a symbol of a whole way of life of following the Son of Man. You know, he's our King, our Master, the Teacher in the way, um, and a new way that leads into the Kingdom of God. That's the way of the cross. I just want to pray now. So I'm going to reflect on that and invite us to consider what that means for us. So let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have put before us a symbol of the cross to remind us and to draw us into an understanding of what it means to know you, We are challenged by the radical nature of the way of the cross and what it means for those who want to follow Jesus. But we pray you would show us what's on the other side and the blessings of the the kingdom of God. And so we pray that those here who uh, know you would know you better and that all of us would come to understand what the cross means as we come to this time of Easter. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.